Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Today y Mañana. I'm Alex. This is Xavier. We're very excited to have you joining us on a beautiful morning here in Charlottesville, Virginia. It is warm. It is sunny. But if perfecto, you want to get out of the, perfecto. 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 But if you want to get out of the heat, this is a perfect time to just get into a nice cool spot, put on, turn on your computer, watch some Today y Mañana, and enjoy it with, we would suggest a Trefeitron Leche if you want a chilled one that's perfectly acceptable. But uh, there you have We give you permission to have a chilled cafe con leche. You have official permission to uh, do a chilled cafe con leche this morning. And so we've got a great lineup for you today. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to be joined very shortly on the show by Alexandra Solorsano. She is the owner of Owl Consultancy Group. Then later on, we're going to welcome back our good friend Matias Yon of Matias Yon Realty, bringing on another friend, Michelle Drudz of Intercoastal Mortgage. And then last but certainly not least, we're going to be joined by Daniela. Mac Argentine mezzo soprano master class teacher, as well as Emily Hughes mezzo soprano and emerging artist here. Uh, so, just a, just a quick Salabra. question here, and, and, then I'll, and then I'll give you my line because I, I remembered. So uh, don't say okay, yeah. I don't say anything. But so why do you say Argentine instead of Argentine? Is that the pro, the appropriate way? I have no idea. Oh, okay. Just the way I, I pronounce just curious, very badly. I'm just curious. I pronounce I, things I, very badly. So yeah. no, no, you're, you can't. You count. are one of the few people pronouncing anything badly. I'm the one that I'm just curious. I just wanted to know because I, I, no I would have say I Argentina. Just, I saw it and I read it. You know, I, I guess me because so. I say Argentina, so it's Argentina. Uh, well, like you know, that's how we, it was on uh, the Today Manana Facebook thing. So I said, okay, I'm going to roll with this. I'm going to roll with this. All right, just not well, just. Well, you got to really emphasize, you know, think about it. We got the Today Manana sort of emphasize Cubano. Alexandra's going to be Nicaragueña. I hope that's right. And then Argentina. Argentina. And Matias was in Nicaragua for a while. So, I mean, he's like honorary. So, we're doing the show in Spanish, what you're trying to tell me? Exactly, the whole show. Surprise. The whole thing. Yeah, Surprise, yeah. the whole thing's in Spanish. No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> ah, but speaking of, of Spanish, we got our good friend Johnny Ornelas, amigo del programa, liking and sharing the show this morning. Muchísimas Buenos gracias. Días. Fantastic owner of El Mariachi yes. uh, on uh, Zion's Crossroads. So he's he is amazing. We love him on the show. Uh, Sydney Chacalos watching the show this morning. Thank you for joining us. So it's already, already everybody uh, lining up. Well, once you said who was, who's going to be here, exactly. holy cow. I mean. Once they heard the lineup, they said, how can you miss? Okay, yeah. How can you miss this? Plus, you got the old guy back. I, I mean, you know, really. It, yeah, I mean, there's probably like two people in our audience. Two, that's you. all we need is two. You know, I'm sure Mrs. Irby missed you. So, uh, so that's what she probably. Now that she knows not you're today, around, yeah. she's not watching. Not today, so, I'm uh, sure. So, what can you yeah. say? You got Dr. I'm Elizabeth Irby watching the show this all morning. All right. So, thank you very much. Always, and don't forget to uh, like and share and subscribe. To Send us any questions, comments. Oh, please, definitely. Tell us how much you love our desks. We know that you do. For sure. So be sure to uh, send that our way because it's going to be it's going to be fantastic. So I don't know about you, but I'm I'm very excited to. Well, no, jump absolutely. Right the way the, the way you uh, introduce Alexandra and and what she does, uh, I, I don't oh, know. I so I'm I'm very interested. It's pretty exciting. I'm interested to find out a lot more. So it uh, I, let's I say let's jump right into it. We are super excited to welcome to the show this morning Alexandra Solorsano. She is the owner of Owl Consultancy Group. Alexandra, thanks so much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me, Nick. No, it's, it's, it's great, to, great to have you on. Great to have you on. So for, to start off, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you started Owl Consultancy and what, <laughs> what it is. Yes. I think when you describe it, people are going to be really interested. Okay, so let's start with the boring part, right? Um, went to UVA. I'm for, originally from Nicaragua, so I think just to give a little bit of context mm-hmm. and... Javier over here probably knows this best, but in Latin America, the rule of law is not a thing. You know, like rules are guidelines. So I guess I always grew up with that sense of 
rules are meant to be broken. Um, so back to the boring, went to UVA, specialized in Latin American corruption, did my career in law firms. I'm not a lawyer, uh, but I kind of like the way the, the things were ended up working out was I meet this lady who would go to my printing job. I hated my job, but little did I know that she actually had a lot of power in the firm, and to me, she was the coolest person. Um, so I ended up sliding news articles under her door, got her into an event with like the vice president of Colombia, then got us invited to like a meeting with the ambassador of Colombia to the OAS. All of this while I'm billing overtime and not actually doing my real job. So, <laughs> um, so needless to say, I almost got fired, but I didn't because, as I said, I didn't know she had power, and then she just said, she, Alexandra works for me now and she came up to me and said I'm going to make you an anti-money laundering specialist and young me is like cool let's do it right not knowing what the hell that even meant um, I guess I always had a fascination for the dirty so long story short I, I stay with her for about five-ish six years uh, get to the top of my career that's where I'm fine-tuning the craft of like really digging into things learning how to do like deep dive investigations like web scraping SQL uh, link analysis it was just one of those like just trying to push the boundaries as much as possible mm -hmm. um, I decide that I don't want to become a lawyer so I end up going to this consulting firm which ended up being an auditing firm and you never put an investigator to do audits it doesn't go well um, so eventually I just said you know what like I'm I'm at the point of my career where I just really want to be doing what I'm doing and I don't think anybody has the answer I'm sick and tired of hearing the industry saying uh, this like you know, there's criminals, we need to stop criminals, we need to catch criminals, but everybody's doing the exact same thing over and over again. So I just said, like, you know what, the system is just broken, so screw it, let me just start my own thing. And that's literally how the owl came into existence. And it coincided with a former boss of mine calling me and saying, hey, I need your investigative skills, but I can't hire you as an employee. Do you want the contract under your name or under a business? And that was the light bulb moment. Wow, of, exactly. But it, it, honestly, like, to me, it was like, oh, why am I doing things post-tax if I can do them pre-tax, right? <laughs> um, but then, like, I came back to Charlottesville because, you know, the UVA connection, and I'm so glad that I came here because I think uh, surface level, people don't really realize how much Charlottesville has to offer, and the more I'm here, the more I get to meet amazing people like yourself, people like Michelle you're going to have on your show, yeah. Matias, uh, and everybody has something very, very unique to share, and it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's a very interesting place to be because it's not one of those places where, oh, it's pr like there's one industry that predominates. I think it has a lot of a lot diversity of, of, of like industries. So it's, it's really interesting. So now going to what on earth is the owl, right? Yeah, I know. Uh, when you read the website, you're say, like, tell me exactly okay, what that this is. This is like some pretty uh, hefty stuff here. So <laughs> let me tell you a little bit of the reason, like why the name, right? Like, so for me, I've always been a believer that the eyes are the window to the soul. Like you can fake everything, but you cannot fake the eyes. And I always thought it was cocky to put my name on it. So I, I got, it got, I started thinking, I just said, what animal has that piercing look? And that's when like the owl came. And, and it's because the owl is like one of the most fierce and ferocious hunters, but it's, it operates in the shadows. It's almost invisible. Mm -hmm. If you realize like you only yeah. know the owl is there, but it lets you know it's there. Yeah, right. Exactly. And that, and that has actually become kind of like our operating ethos in a way. We like to be that silent partner because we like to get really dirty into the investigations, like investigations, like embezzlement cases, which sadly enough happen more often than what you would think. Um, 
international trade but when i say international trade we're talking about like say like identifying if there's forced labor in your supply chain if there's like some form of sanctions evasion going on uh any potential export control violations such as like you know like selling to a bad guy you know like it it happens more often than not not like I, the the days of you trusting your neighbor and doing that handshake are long gone you don't know who people really are especially if you're if the person you're dealing with may be on the other side of the world in a global economy where exactly. saying, oh, i met him he came to my office but right. i don't know what's going on in his factory in this country exactly exactly i mean like you've got a cuban here i don't i wouldn't trust a cuban like <laughs> uh, and this is a nicaraguan talking you know this is a nicaraguan talking so no but jokes aside every place has its own nuances and, and culture really matters and language also is super important like everyone in my team speaks at least two to three languages you need to be fluent why because yeah you can have the best translators in the world but you're not going to get the real gist exactly like, that's true right yes. right and, and and that's the thing and sometimes this is a i think a flaw in the american culture is you're very glued to us english language and you don't realize the value and the richness that all the other cultures have. And, and it's not just like on the beautiful side of say, like maybe the tourism, the culture, the history, but also on the illicit side, right? Like there are places like in Japan where honestly a contract is a formality. You don't really need a contract in Japan because they're so like honorable and so true to their word that like if they say they're going to do it, they're going to do it. Now you go to a place like the Middle East, good luck. Like nothing, like everything's <laughs> fair game. You know, it's all for like highest bidder. But but it's understanding those little nuances mm-hmm. that make or break a case. Um, and that's really what we do. We specialize. Like and the focus is very boutique. So we really like to know who you are, what makes you special. Every business is different. Every person is different. Every founder, every vision. And being able to understand that and being able to act as an extension of you is pretty much like what we pride ourselves on. Mm-hmm. So is it, when you talk about the cases that you deal with, is this like, is it to build a case? In other words, company suspects something's going on and they say, okay, can you build me the case so I can go after this person? Or is it um, almost, not an audit in the boring sense, mm-hmm. but like, okay, I just want to make sure, can you just run through my entire supply chain? I just want to make sure that everyone I'm dealing with is above board. How? So it's actually both. Both? So it's actually both. So the... The, the latter that you described is uh, is you want to be compliant. You want to make sure like there's nothing iffy. And usually you see that more with older, more mature companies of they've already lived bad experiences. They know they're operating in high-risk jurisdictions. So they would just want to make sure that everything is above board and it's beyond your basic compliance mm-hmm. check, right? And sometimes that even actually involves like physically going to a manufacturing plant mm-hmm. and making sure there's no child labor, there's nothing that implies mm-hmm. like forced labor, you know, things like that as well as like anything from the outside that that may like say like hey here are some red flags that mm-hmm. we should dig deeper on the hey i suspect somebody's stealing from me i guess to like bring it down into perspective you, we have we can have two situations is i have a former employee that i just realized like stole from me and that usually tends to be on more of the c-suite level and you'd be Mm -hmm. surprised how how often that happens because c-suite is the one that tends to have a lot of power and and authority at least oversight exactly um so that just goes into you know like a full-on like internal investigation of pulling the emails pulling all the interactions interviewing employees and stuff like that and there's the situation where Maybe the owner thinks or somebody in the company that is high up th- says, we think somebody is stealing from us, but I'm not 100% certain. I have my, my 
like key people that I suspect. Can you guys figure it out? And in those instances, um, and this is part of the reason why you see owls in my website, is I can actually infiltrate somebody into the company, pretend to be an employee, just to actually catch those people in the act. But you will never know. Um, sadly, I can't do that anymore because, yeah, you're seeing me. But but all my other <laughs> owls can. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit jealous of them on that front. Um, but yeah, but th- so those are kind of like the the cases that we work on and, and on the spectrum. And and I think it's always important to to remember that most people are not bad, but for whatever reason, there could be a circumstance that just life altering that puts people in an, in an immediate need and. It's like, well, you know what? Maybe I'll just grab a little bit and pay it back, but then they don't get caught. Exactly, and they say. So then, why yeah. do I have to pay it back? Yeah. You know, and like, and that's kind of. Or, like they, how or, they, or they find it that that was easier than I thought, and so maybe just take a little bit more, right? So and before ex- you know it, it builds, and now they're, exactly. they're caught in a situation where they can never pay it back, or be very difficult for them to pay it back. Look, most cases usually start like little. Like, have you guys heard the anecdote of like the the frog that you put in in boiling water? Mm. Like that, if you throw it immediately into the boiling water, it jumps, it jumps out. out. But if if it's in cool water and you're slowly raising the temperature, like by the time it's boiling, it can't get out. Right. Yeah. That's exactly usually how a lot of like say like these embezzlement good cases analogy. happen. <laughs> how interesting. So I'm curious about. I mean, so I mean, I had a lot of questions, but you've answered them actually as you were going through <laughs> because I'm saying how how do, how do you actually do the investigation? But so let's say you have to investigate a, a factory somewhere in Nicaragua mm-hmm. or Colombia, or whatever. Do you also send your owls there, or can you go there and? interview people and do they allow you to interview people and look around so it depends on what the client is looking for right like so we're a believer of first like let's like exhaust all the OSINT options all the open source intelligence options and uh, whether it be satellite imagery local reports like local radio you name it and then if it's still inconclusive or the client just wants a more resounding response, then yes, like we can we can go there, we can team up with local people. There, there's multiple avenues, but we believe first in doing like the digital fo- okay. side first and then the boots on the ground mm-hmm. because usually boots on the ground is what escalates costs. Of course, mm-hmm. of course, yeah. Of course. And, and I guess you can, I mean, I suspect you can approach a, you know, let's say it's a factory. You can approach mm-hmm. a factory and say, you know, I'm... I'm I'm looking to work with you, but I'd like to see your place. And, of course, they're not gonna, they're going to they're gonna show you the bad parts, but maybe there you get a feel for how they work. Is that, is that... So there's a couple ways of doing it. One, like, is what you just described. Um, another way is client already has a relationship with the factory, and maybe in their contract they, they have it that the client reserves the right to do a surprise inspection okay. and we can be that surprise inspector and okay. we show up without notice and just knocking on the door and saying surprise here's the letter let us in yeah. and anything that we can catch sometimes maybe you want to do a couple of like surveillance a couple of days or a couple of weeks in advance just to see if there's anything iffy or shady before you actually show up okay. so so there's multiple ways of doing it and then you can also do um what I like calling is like Vox Populi, like the voice of the people of like just listening to the chatter around town mm-hmm. and see what people say, right? Yeah. And usually the higher risk areas for forced labor are eh, La Zona Franca, like the, the, like the free trade zones because mm-hmm. there's a lot like less oversight and even the local governments sadly and in a way encourage uh, forced labor kind of behaviors because they want companies to be coming in. Mm, wow. So, tell you, wow. Wow. so you have to sometimes you can't always rely on the local government to assist you in anything. No, you no, have I, to would, kind I would I would guess not in yeah. those places. Yeah, no. not there. Yeah. yeah, 
Would you ask your Cuban government to assist you? No, of course not. Everybody here knows that me and governments, I just, I don't care who it is, I don't trust anyone. It's just the way I am. We can't blame you. Your experience hasn't exactly been a positive one, living in exile. Yeah. But um, so, what's the what's the typical process when someone like first reaches out to you? So, like, new firm says, "All right, I, I've I've heard about you. Here's here's the, the what I'm looking at. What's the typical kind of process when you know you're working with someone for the first time?" So, usually, we do an initial consulta- consultation, which is free, where they they tell us what they think they have, and sometimes from that consultation, we can say, you know, what it doesn't really sound like there's anything. We're happy mm-hmm. to dig a little bit deeper and do an initial assessment but if from the get-go we don't suspect anything like it it's almost better like not to waste your money right mm-hmm. but but if there is something um and it really depends again like what we're talking about if it's an external investigation right like there's uh, variations of things that you can play around with if you suspect there is an embezzlement we can do an initial assessment, but if there is truly an embezzlement, I don't recommend doing an initial assessment because if you do an initial assessment, an initial assessment literally is, let me go in, do things not as deep, just try to like cover as much as I can and say, okay, we believe this happened, mm-hmm. or but not really giving you that like conclusive evidence, and it's not actually pointing at like, this person is definitely guilty. So what happens is, if for some reason you get sued or something, that initial assessment may come out and it's actually going to could screw you in the long term versus mm-hmm. if you do a full-blown investigation actually get to the root of it you know exactly how it happened who did it who are the guilty parties and you have the ways of saying this is what happened these controls were not in place blah 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 we have now changed we've implemented this so and you can even use that report like publicly to clean up your image should yeah. you need to Oh, interesting, yeah. I I did have one other just quick question. Have you ever been in a situation where you go to a surprise visit and they tell you, no, you can't come in? Yes. Okay. Most of the time they tell you no. Oh, really? Yeah, and then we just say, um, call call the client. Yeah. And they will call the client, and the client will be saying, like, yes. Or the client is expecting us to send them a message by by X time, and if they're not getting a message of us saying, hey, we're in, then the client is going to be calling them. So, um, yeah, like, there's a lot of communication and coordination, and uh, you want, like... It's not like I'm going to show up to a random factory and do an inspection just for the sake of doing that. I can't do that. I need to have client buy-in, and sure, if you're doing something shady, you don't want people in. So, Mm -hmm. Interesting. So much the dough goes into it. This is a fascinating work. It it really really is. is. It's very interesting (laughs) business. I'm even curious, how do you... With so so in depth, how do you balance like the entrepreneur side? Like, did you're running a small business at the same time you're doing these other things? Uh, that's a good question. It's got to be a piece of cake compared to the other. <laughs> no, I I mean, look, uh, I would say the entrepreneurial side is the most boring side because it takes mm-hmm. me away from doing the fun things. Right. Yep. But but it's important, right? It's um, and I think being out here and being able to tap into UVA resources, the Darden, uh, the different mm-hmm. like CBIC, for example. Those have been great resources that I can talk to other entrepreneurs, other founders, and say, hey, I'm dealing with this issue. Can you give me advice? Has anybody Mm -hmm. lived that? And it's amazing just how many people can give you advice, right? And I think you just have to learn how to balance. And it's still a struggle. It's still something that I'm learning every day. I'm trying to be better. But it's 
one, you got to take care of yourself because if you don't take care of yourself, like you're, you're harming your business. Um, so that's super important. And then is you want to do the work, you want to train your people, not just to be as good as you, but to be better than you Mm -hmm. so that you can blindly trust them to run an investigation. Mm -hmm. And then you have to have time to work on the business and like keep on doing kind of like all these like business development stuff, relationship building and getting people to really know the brand and, and, and just trust you. Yeah, it's what is I mean, especially with yours. I mean, it's it trust factors in well, throughout the here, entire right? yes. thing. I mean, it's you know, it's there. They have to trust you, right? Mm-hmm. Then they have to. You're helping them figure out who to trust that they're working with. You have to trust the people that you're sending to these areas. So it's it is so much that goes. They have to trust your employees. Have to trust you. Said, <laughs> All right, you're not going to send me anywhere. I'm going to die, right? So, you know, but, and they got to they got to trust that whoever it is that's not going to pay her twice the amount. It's like I pay you twice the amount if you don't say anything. Say anything. But it just it just it just that's where integrity comes in. exactly where trust comes in so much yeah. and, mm-hmm. and the brand and, and just having the community know. Okay, yeah, this is what. This is what Alexandra does. This is how important it is. Because it's, it's, in today's day and age, it is incredibly important. I mean, you do not want to find out. You don't want to find out after the fact, too yep. far after the fact, that this has occurred and you're now yeah. in big trouble. Exactly. Absolutely. Exactly. Um, I, and it, it's sad, right? Because you want to trust people. But I think the best philosophy is verify then trust. Mm. Um, because at the end of the day, particularly as a business owner, you've worked so hard, you've put, put your life and blood into it, only to have someone either from the inside or from the outside come in and try to crumble everything that you've yeah. built. Like, isn't it worth the investment of protecting that, like, that baby of yours? Yes, yeah. keeping it safe. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to be a pessimistic person to do it. You can still say, just like we said, it's not that they're bad and terrible people. Mm-hmm. It's just that even good people can do things that are wrong and make mistakes. Yeah. And so you don't have to go through life being, no, I don't try, you know, everybody's bad. It's just a matter of like, yeah, I, I can be optimistic and, and see people in a good way, but I'm going to verify it exactly. to protect my business. Well, listen, I mean, it takes a lifetime to create trust. It only takes one instance to destroy it like that, right? Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. It, it, if, if you're a company and you're worried about something, it's probably not a bad thing to say. I, I really need to find out because yeah. the last thing I, I want, I, last thing I need is somebody outside to find out, and then yeah. we're in trouble. Now you're in trouble. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the other thing is people like circumstances in life change all the time, and yeah. and I think a good practice as a manager, business owner, anybody in like a, a management situation is to know your employees know where they are what are their what what are they concerned about what are their worries is something going on mm. and not because they're going to do something bad but because the minute a person feels alone they feel threatened they don't feel safe that's when that fight or flight mentality kicks in mm-hmm. and you can start seeing that dark side yeah. come out right so why not be like just human and oh, care for your people and, and prevent that dark side from coming mm-hmm. out. That's huge important. Ah. Perfectly said. Alexander, yeah. this has been so fascinating. Uh, before we let you go, if people are interested in the light, okay, I really do need to reach out to you. What's the best way to get in touch with you? Shoot us a hoot uh, <laughs> at 
the so our email address is hoot h o o t at owlconsultancygroup.com or you can call text whatsapp to 786-742-6227 um you can go to our website owlconsultancygroup.com or even reach out to me on linkedin directly i'm always checking like my messages so i'm always happy to sit down for coffee a call uh you name it always there to listen and just hopefully be able to help you out Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, this is thanks so much, Jim, for coming. Un million de gracias. So, yeah, million yeah. de gracias. It's been Th- so fascinating. Thank absolutely. you guys for having me. Muchísimas gracias. Y ahora voy por mi cafecito. Oh, perfecto, perfecto. Gracias. <laughs> oh, so that yeah. was a fridge. That was that's amazing. You don't it? run into let's just say you don't run into a business like that every no, day. No, no, not not every day. To, yeah, for sure. Couple uh, that's, couple shoutouts here. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Just shout out. A couple shoutouts. Bill McChesney says happy birthday, Judah, because it is our producer mm. Judah Whitcower birthday today so a bit uh, happy birthday to Judah Vanessa Parkhill watching the show this morning Judah's giving his thumbs up he's like this is you, thank you thank you Bill for watching the show of course always love uh, Judah behind the camera I love Seafoam Network uh, all our great partners don't want to not mention them of course Matias Young who's about to be on a great partner here Castle Hill Cider Craddock Series Insurance Forward of the Lante Charlottesville Opera we just have so many great partners that we're appreciative of. And so it makes this possible. Exactly. makes it possible. Always presented by Emergent Financial Services. So we just um, really appreciate all the people that, uh, that make this possible. And let us bring on great guests. Yeah. Like and like the two guests we're about to bring on now that we're super happy to welcome to the show. So without further ado, bid welcome to Matias Sion. He is back, as always. It's our, what do we do, a monthly, a monthly chat Monthly with Matthias, yep. monthly check-in with Matthias, and this time Matthias brought a friend to monthly check-in, so we're really excited to welcome the show, Michelle Good of Intercoastal Mortgage. So, I mean, first thing I do is how you both doing, and then Mich- I mean, our audience, I think we we know Matthias pretty well. We've been chatting with him. For those who haven't met you before, Michelle, tell us a little bit about yourself and Intercoastal. Um, yeah, so I'm with Intercoastal Mortgage. Um, I have been doing mortgages. I've been lending for 14 years, um, but it is really kind of my third career. Um, I started out, I went to college to be a social worker. I did child protective services. I realized quickly that I was not made for that. So I stuck with what put me through college, and that was selling jewelry. Um, and I did that for 14 years, and I was very successful in that. We moved to, and that was in Maryland. We moved to uh, Central Virginia in 2005. My daughter was a year and a half old. And I thought, wow, retail is not a very family-friendly business, right? <laughs> you work long hours. Yep. Um, so I thought, what can I do to stay at home with my daughter, you know, and, and make it a family? So I started working at a bank. Um, I opened checking accounts, helped clients, customer service things. And I was quickly promoted to a manager um, where I learned how to do loans. And I did all sorts of loans. Um, and that was before the... 2007, like the downturn of the market. Mm-hmm. So I did purchase loans. I did land loans. I did bridge loans. I did a yacht loan. Um, I think the uh, only loan I never did was an airplane loan. Uh, <laughs> so that was the only one I never got a chance to do. Um, and then um, we moved, we changed gears, and I started focusing on small business lending. And for a hot minute, I left BB&T, and I went to United Bank, and I was a small business lender and focused this specifically on small business clients. Um, and I thought, you know what, I really missed the, um, the retail side of it, like mm-hmm. the, the connection with with the consumers. Yeah. So I went into uh, mortgages. I went back to BB&T and started lending um, full-time as a mortgage loan officer. 
So I've been doing that for a while. So I really love, um, I've always told people, I've learned how to marry the two things that I love the most, helping people with like the social worker background, but also my love of numbers and puzzles, mm. because every loan is different. It's, uh, yeah. Yes. It's putting together a puzzle piece. Yeah. Well, as, as, as you may know, we, we do have a, a client that uh, was struggling with getting a mortgage, and I gave them Michelle's uh, um, you know number and name, and um, you know they... I tell you, they, they can't stop speaking about Michelle. I, I even got jealous that they spoke about Michelle more than they spoke about me. I said, what, what's going on here? So, um, so they did, you know, obviously, she obviously just did a great job. And and, um, and and I think the perspective was that she listened and, too, she came with a solution. Because yeah. sometimes, you know, more. I think most people think, you know, here's the mortgage. Okay, you know, you're buying a house. How much money do you have? How much money do you earn? Okay, yeah, you're good to go. No, but sometimes that's not as easy, right? So yeah. there are other ways that one can finally find a way mm-hmm. to get that right mortgage for the right person. And, I, yeah. and, and so Michelle did a great job in, in that situation. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. That's pretty much my experience with Michelle mm-hmm. and explains why I love working with Michelle. She has this weird obsession with numbers <laughs> and I know it comes in handy but yeah. I don't share yeah. that luckily I don't have to <laughs> and working with Michelle really makes things very easy because I know when I send customers or clients to Michelle they're being taken care of mm. and every single number is being explained yeah. Because again, yes. she's obsessed with numbers, yes. which really helps. Because if you think about what overwhelms people when applying for a loan, how does it all work? Yeah. What's yeah. the interest? Mm-hmm. Explain to me all the numbers, all the conditions. And Michelle, <laughs> you just saw yourself. She writes very long emails. She's obsessed <laughs> with graphs and charts, and she explains <laughs> it. There are no questions open afterwards. Yeah. Well, I try to focus on what the client wants. Some clients mm-hmm. really love a lot of detail. Right. And mm-hmm. some clients really just want the highlights. So I think I can figure out, you know, what works best for the clients and, and get the point across and make it easy for them. That's my goal is to make it easy for them. Well, you, you know, I mean, and you, you work in real estate, right? Um, so, you know, when you first buy a house, right, there's that desire for finding that, kind of perfect house right mm-hmm. which doesn't really exist but that's you know your first house is like i gotta find a perfect house yeah. right and i always tell a story that you, know, you you buy a house and, the, and and your your wife says oh this is it this is perfect this is exactly what i wanted and then the minute you move in it says well we got to do this we got to do that <laughs> it's like well, i thought this was a perfect house but anyway but you know you you're buying a house but then there's all the little details right that go on with buying a house you know especially yeah. the mortgage is the one that one gets people the most nervous because mm-hmm. it's like I, I need a mortgage to buy the house but all the numbers that come with a mortgage you know would be the rate you know can you prepay you know mm-hmm. if I pay down how much you know how much does that save me how long is the mortgage yeah. there's mm-hmm. so much going on that I think people then that's the area that gets them nervous just to have somebody that one can like you said Michelle some people want to get explained some people's like just tell me yeah. how much I have to You'll pay on a monthly more basis, basis please. Yeah. Yeah. How much do I have to pay on a monthly basis? Oh, good. Okay, I can do that. And that's that, right? So, you know, that's important. It's important to have that. And, and, you, and, and you have to have somebody that is personable, right? right. You know, that, that can talk to people. And that's the important part, right? Yeah. We're operating on a, on a local level, and we are personal. You can approach us directly. Um, let's face it. They are realtors that completely work online. 
if you wanted to buy a house in Charlottesville, you don't necessarily need to sit down with me in person. You have the internet. We all know those big names that we're not supposed to say yeah. here right now. <laughs> so, um, and the same applies to yeah. the, the mortgage industry, right? They're sure. internet giants that somehow can work oh, on yeah, a loan for you. Where it's like, you know, just push one button and you done a mortgage. Yeah. But you- and it, I guess it works somehow because we hear it, right? You can buy a steak at Foodline. Is it the best experience? Yeah. Different story. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and that's, that's what I love about working with Michelle. That's what I love about working for a small boutique firm. Mm-hmm. We actually take the time to sit down, oftentimes in person, in a coffee shop, for example, to talk about the needs. And then comes into play what Michelle just addressed. Um, we can adapt. You know, we can customize yeah. our approach yeah. based on the needs. Mm-hmm. Michelle just said not everyone wants seven charts to know where the market is heading. Some people just want the solution. But how do you know that if you don't meet the people right. in person? And, yeah. and that's why I like to work with Michelle and not with a big online lender yeah. because something is missing in that. Yeah. And that that's so important. I mean, we, we have the, you know, in our business it's the same. And, and it's like when there's somebody new, I always tell them, you know, please come to our office or, or I'll meet you. But yeah. I want you to get to know us, and I want to get to know you, right, before yeah. we, you, know, you become a client. Because that's so important just to meet people and get to, get to know them, you know, get to understand them, learn, about, learn more about them, and see how you can help them as opposed to, like, yeah, well, do a quick Zoom and we're out of here. That's just, uh, yeah, it's just not me. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's nice to have that relationship, I think. Yeah. It is, and it probably just adds, it probably gives you also an extra comfort as the real to say, yes, I have people that I know and can trust like Michelle it's yeah. not it's, yeah. I, I would imagine it's probably not too infrequently that you're working with someone and the client's going to say okay yeah we're ready with this house where do I go to get the mortgage <laughs> you know, or something like that and to say to not just have to say well here's here's the list and I don't really know you know no so what what really matters sometimes and, and, and you will confirm that probably is having a relationship with someone mm-hmm. because then you know that person can be trusted. Mm-hmm. If I were to send my client to a lender that I have never dealt with before, how could I with confidence say mm-hmm. that the loan that you are and the, and the customer support that you're mm-hmm. about to, mm-hmm. to, to get will be the best? Yeah. I don't know, it, which is why we work with trusted professionals and that's why I'm happy that Michelle is here today yeah. um, because she is one of the trusted professionals we work mm-hmm. with. Again, it's so much is about communication, and yeah. communication establishes trust, right? Yeah. And you just said it yourself, you operate on a local level, you want to meet the person first before you talk about business, mm-hmm. establish trust. And um, again, that's why it's so important that we both live in the area, yeah. we know the area, mm-hmm. um, and I Can think we both do uh, business based on relationships. I know when I'm talking with clients, I build that relationship first. I do a lot of explaining of why. And I think with mortgages, that's what's the frustrating part. You know, give me your bank statements. Why? Right? <laughs> so when we explain the why, that makes it more comfortable. And um, 
uh, Matthias knows, I always have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, sometimes a plan D, <laughs> right? So as I'm talking with the client and building that relationship with them and asking them all the questions needed for a mortgage, then I can build that plan and come mm -hmm. up with the best option for them. And I always share that with my realtors too, with Matthias, yeah. No, it makes, and it makes perfect sense as in reality. It's time to let your food line example. In other words, yeah, you may be able to go somewhere, press a button, and supposedly get a mortgage in 10 minutes, right? But the moment something goes wrong or is complicated or plan A doesn't work, now you're all yeah. alone because your primary contact is a computer screen that really doesn't speak to you. No. It, it was, all, it was, all it said is no. Yeah, it had a lot of information <laughs> to get you to click yeah. the button, but it really didn't have a lot in terms of, oh, the button was said no and a big red sorry. And now I have nowhere to go. I have nothing, yeah. there's nothing, there's nowhere to proceed. Whereas with, with you, Michelle, it's like, okay, I'm working with you, so if it is a little more complicated, if there is, you know, you have to navigate that yeah. labyrinth, right. you actually have someone who already knows your situation, knows you, and is willing to actually help you navigate yeah. the labyrinth and, and get out of the other side. Yeah. Right. And with those big online lenders, good luck getting them on the phone, for example. Good <laughs> luck getting mm -hmm. a response when you need it. And sometimes when you need information, might not be in the time between 9 and 5. Yeah. And so I'm sorry that I do this, but Michelle sometimes answers the phone on, on Sunday evening. Sunday evening. She's there. She's available. <laughs> right? It's, yeah. it's, it's, well, sometimes this, you know, this is a matter of time. It's, yeah. Well, I think it, and it also goes back to my retail days, right? Mm -hmm. Like you work when you need That's to right. work. Yeah. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm, and I'm curious, because I know, obviously, as a realtor, it, it makes sense to, to know the area, be familiar with it. What would you say are some of, like, I'm, always, I'm curious on the mortgage side to to live in the area where you're where you're working and to know it well. How does that help on the on the mortgage side? Well, it, it helps because I I know the area. I can get a feel for what's going on. Um, mm -hmm especially when we're talking about how long they're going to live there. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to buy that house, are you going to keep it or, especially being in the UVA area, are you going to keep it as a rental property down the road? Let's talk about mm -hmm. that. How is that mm -hmm. going to help you? Um, so I think all of those, and, and then helping them navigate, you know, a closing company, a title attorney, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. help to pick those things out too. Just it's getting, again, exactly. relationships, yeah. you it's know, right. or so, financial advisors. When I see that they have a lot of money in a bank account, you really need to make that money work for you. So, it's, again, it's more than just the mortgage. It's really building a relationship. And the biggest compliment I get is when my clients refer me to a friend or a family or it's a repeat client. Like, that's the biggest compliment that I can absolutely, absolutely get. Yeah, absolutely. That's when you know you did something right. Yeah. 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 Especially in that, in that line of business, it may be a repeat client. That means they remember you sometimes from several years yeah, back. Yes. It may yeah. not be, you know, it's not exactly like, oh, yeah, two months ago I worked with you on a mortgage and now I'm selling and buying a new house. <laughs> it's usually like I had such a great experience yeah. that three years down the road I'm calling you and only you again. Yeah. yeah. Which, yeah, that'd be a it, great feeling. One of the, one of my favorite things is getting pictures from clients once they move into the house. Mm. Pictures of their pets and you know <laughs> that they've made it their own. That's so exciting to me. Absolutely. And I, I do feel like my my customers, my my buyers, are more friends. I mean. I think I told you before, I have over a thousand contacts in my phone because once I talk to you, you're in my phone. And, you know, if you call me, I know exactly who I'm talking to who's calling. 
yeah. you know who they are. You know who yes. they are for sure. Absolutely. I'm just we we chat with this and Matias a lot, like because we we've talked. I think about you know favorite places in Charlottesville, things to do, things to see. What what are your sort of kind of top things you like to do in several places to see? So. I love the wineries, the breweries. Mm-hmm. Uh, my husband and I will take the motorcycle out and hit wineries and breweries. That's that's our fun, honestly. You have just separate getting... motorcycles? Or... No, yeah. okay. I don't want to drive. I just want to ride and just enjoy the scenery. Okay. I'm just curious. <laughs> no. And what's your favorite winery? Um, right now, so I live in Fluvanna County. Right now, my favorite one is Hardware Hills in Fluvanna County. Oh. We only have two. And they, the, this couple just bought the winery about two years ago, and they are just great people. Wonderful. Yeah. Fantastic. And so you know all the outlying regions, too, so it's not just Charlotte oh, Bible, yeah. but the whole yeah, cover, area just like Matias. Yeah. yeah, I cover Charlottesville, City of Charlottesville, Admiral, Nelson County, Fluvanna County, Buckingham County. So I know all the, the outlying areas as well. Yeah, we're sure. Well, yeah. and Augusta County. And Augusta Waynesboro. County. And Augusta. Yeah, Waynesboro, yeah. 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 That's an up-and-coming area. <laughs> are you seeing the same? I know we've talked with Matias that that's definitely growing and yeah. the beautiful spaces that are out there. Yeah. It's it's definitely something to... Uh, that's a lot of growth in that area. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah. there are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there is. But same, same with Fluvanna. Same I think it's the fastest-growing county in Virginia. It is. Fluvanna? Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. you sit right in the middle of it. Sit right in the middle of it, yeah. Is that because it's now Fluvanna is closer to Richmond? Am I right about that? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So it's halfway to Richmond, and it's okay. close to um, to the interstate. Um, right. So yeah. yeah, in between the urban areas of, of Charlottesville. Yeah. So where I live at Lake Monticello, I can get to pretty much Richmond, Charlottesville, and Waynesboro mm-hmm. all within 30, 40 minutes. Okay. Oh, that's pretty nice. Yeah. yeah. That's a nice. That's a nice little advantage, little spot yeah. there. Yeah. To to be at, you can see everything. So I'm out of curiosity. So I know because obviously there's there's the referral piece that, that we do, and just knowing that you have someone to trust. Do you does it help also to have good rapport? Like, are there times where you need to communicate back and forth with each other? Like, okay, here's what the client's going through on the mortgage side. Here's what the re, the real estate side looks like. And does it? What are the benefits of having that rapport? To, you know, in other words, to say is that from the client's perspective. It's great that my real estate agent and my mortgage know each other yeah. and then to communicate with each other. Well, yes, I agree with that. Um, it goes back to what we already spoke about, having a relationship, mm-hmm. uh, trusted relationship, knowing where um, the strengths in that professional lie. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain things we cannot talk about. Right. Um, for example, if we're working on a transaction together, mm-hmm. The, the financials are none of my business. Um, mm, so, yeah. That's why I work with a lender, and she's taking care of that part. But obviously, we communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. just, just things that are not being shared with me and vice versa, but it's really about knowing and trusting that other person mm-hmm. in order to provide the best experience for the client, which is yeah. what yeah. matters at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, we'll work together, and um, if we have a pre-approval and... Um, you know, they want to change something up, buy a house that's a little more expensive, then, you know, we might have a little conversation about that, that we can do that, but it's going to change the rate, maybe, because mm-hmm. that's important for you to know mm-hmm. on the, the contract, so. Exactly, yeah, so many right. key pieces yeah. and that come into play. Michelle talked about having a plan A, B, C, and sometimes D. Sometimes. It, it also, you know, depends on the, on the actual subject, on the property yeah. that we are 
looking at. And if she wants to look at a certain type of loan, she has to check in with me if that house would qualify for that. Uh, um, is right. it in a specific area? Is that loan actually applicable or not? Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of conversation, a lot of forth and back yeah. in order to pinpoint the best path yeah. forward. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Which is so key, because you have, you have the proper kind of segregation between you know information that's not shared, but then you have the advantage of, of being able to communicate and say, hey, you know, I have this idea, would this work? But only the real estate agent would be able to assist you in finding out that information. So it's, yeah. it's instead of just saying like you're two totally different people that never met each other, never talked with each other, there may be, there, some of those big mortgage lenders, they're not gonna make that call. They're not gonna say, oh, let me see if this property is in an area that might qualify you for this and talk to you. They're going to be like, here it is. Take it, take it or leave it. No, oh, of course. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You don't yeah. qualify for the basic, you know, generic package. I'm sorry. That's how it is. So it's good to have that because really it's sometimes that collaboration that can generate an idea that maybe nobody would have thought of on their own. Right. Yeah. Uh, the nuances of the mm -hmm. area that you live in. Yeah. Which is just so key. It really is because, you know, Crozet is very different than Waynesboro, right? So, exactly, yeah. yeah you have to, totally different ideas and properties and... Yeah. Valuations, right? Valuations, I mean, because that's so important on the mortgage, yeah. right? What the valuation is. Because I, I, I suspect the, the bank, if it's a bank, right, or whoever does the, the appraisal will take a look at that area and, and somebody might say, no, that house is not worth what you're buying it for. So now it, there's a challenge there for mm -hmm. you to have to put more down payment or, yeah. I mean, there's a lot that goes on, you know. And that would be a conversation I would have with Matias up front. Do you think this house is going to appraise for the contract price? If not, what's our plan B? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, and yeah. How, how can we make that happen? I always look at things that how can we make it work? Yeah. You know. Which is so, and it's always great as a client to have that in your corner. Yeah. Because in other words, you're, you're. I think people expect. I think that's part of people's trepidation. You expect your realtor to somewhat be in your corner, like okay, they want to make it work. But sometimes I think people have kind of a fear that the bank is really not there <laughs> to make it work. It's like yeah. there's, there's, you, you try to go into the process thinking. Oh, they're gonna find some reason to like not want. Well, to the bank wants to figure out how it works for them. Yeah, exactly. If it doesn't work for them, they don't care. Exactly, but it's nice to know you have someone in your corner say, "All right, let's figure out how to make this work for you." Right, yeah. because we work with very, very specific clients sometimes, and not everyone is looking for the suburban single-family house. Right. Sometimes it's an investor, for example, yeah. and then we're looking at a distressed property. All of a sudden, what type of loan? Um, would be would be possible there, and when clients ask me, I have to say, sorry, I am not a lender. <laughs> Can you please talk to Michelle? <laughs> and then it's really about what loan yeah. is actually an option for them. Right. Yeah. And giving them the best options. I always tell my clients, I don't want to have to hide from you when I see you in the street, right? <laughs> like, I don't want to go around the corner. I want to make sure I'm giving you the best service and doing the yeah. best that I can yeah. for you. And it, and it clearly shows just yeah. the, it does. the repeat customers and just and when people like you say you refer people it's like they get we get yeah. it's always great to be as like, a financial course, advisor yeah. to someone comes back oh I had a great experience like yes <laughs> yes <laughs> that's good mm -hmm. that's good so ah uh, I mean it's always fun so much fun to have you on Matthias and it was great uh, for me to meet you Michelle this it's great time meeting and, you. Thank and you. talk with you and just I think I, I really enjoyed this and hopefully we can have both of you back. And uh, continue our, our chats and yeah. just see how things are going and what's new and 
And keep Once it going. a month. Once a month. There we go. Let's make it a team. <laughs> there you go. You know, so it's, I can tell you, it's the same day of the week, same place, same time. So it's actually very easy. <laughs> it's not hard to remember. You mean Thursdays. Yeah, the day and the time, and the place never change. So there you, there you have it. So Michelle. So I mean, people know. You didn't repeat it too if you want, Matthias, but for people who want to get in touch with you, what's the best way as well? So I have a website, michellegoodmortgage.com. You can go there. It takes you to my website. You can always call me um, and my email address, so mgood at icmtg.com. And my phone number, is it listed here? Do I give that? Yeah, you can do it. Okay, it's uh, 434-227-0117. You have it, you? and she gives you a call back even on Sunday evening. Mm. <laughs> you love that. Don't you? <laughs> that's a big problem, really. So call Michelle on Sunday evening. Uh, that's that's the go. answer. Right. Uh, <laughs> thanks so much for having us. Oh, thank, thank you, you so much. It's been a pleasure. It's great to be here. Always, always, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. So as we rotate here, I'll give a couple, couple other shout-outs. Tiffany Harrell watching the show this morning. Sarah Jones Monceau. Andrew O'Shaughnessy. John Noel. Rosalia de Rosalia Tanzaro. I think from New York. From New York. From New York. All the way from New York. All the way from New York is watching us this morning. So thank you all for, for joining us. It is always a pleasure as we rotate here. Maybe she's here. looking at real estate in Charlesville. You never know. Never know. Never know. You know, well, but it's beautiful because, of course, um, Rosalia, she loves, yeah, she definitely looks at that, but then I know she's a big opera <laughs> fan as well. So That's right. Yeah. She's a huge opera fan, Rosalia, so I think she always enjoys when we have <coughs> on uh, some, some of the amazing, talented people that we have been lucky enough to feature on the show, and I think we're going to add to that list of talented uh, individuals uh, this morning on the oh, show. For so sure, we, for sure. We are very excited to welcome to the show this morning Daniela Mac, she's mezzo-soprano and soon-to-be master class teacher, um, though, um, um, in addition to other uh, amazing performances that we're going to talk about. And then she's joined here, of course, by Emily Hughes, mezzo-soprano and part of the Emerging Artist Program very right here in Charlottesville. So, I want to uh, know what they're singing. I just want to know what they're saying. <laughs> I mean, we got two mezzo-sopranos here. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so it's really has, great to welcome you both to the show this morning. Thanks for, Thanks for having us. So, I mean, tell us, I mean, I always love to do like a little intro. Tell us each about yourselves and kind of what, what was your first foray that got you interested in not just singing but in, in opera? Yeah, so um, I actually... I was lucky to grow up with um, a father who played an instrument. He plays cello and was a big opera fan. So I grew up listening to opera. And uh, my parents tell me I was just always singing, just like in the crib, just singing to myself. So <laughs> um, I think I always had a, a real interest in singing. And I got started doing music theater as a kid, which is what a lot of people, I think a lot of opera singers, start by doing music theater as a kid because that's you know accessible and there's roles for children and um, and I did that and then I because I was exposed to opera from a young age I always was interested in it and as I got older I, I kind of felt that my voice lended itself well to that and that's how I decided to make it my career. Oh. That's awesome. How about you Daniela? Um, very similar actually. <laughs> my um, parents exposed me very early on to classical music in general. My dad was the classical music lover. Mm. Um, but they took me to the ballet, to the symphony, to the opera. Uh, my first opera uh, was La Traviata, uh. at, um, a college production actually at UT Austin. Um, and I was seven years old and I just fell in love with everything. Mm. The, the spectacle, the costumes. I remember, remember going home after that experience 
and I was very, very shy as a kid, so I would never have done this in front of anybody, but I locked myself in my room and just started making sounds that I thought were operatic <laughs> at seven years old. Um, but I, I started really as a pianist, so I started piano lessons at uh, around five years old in Argentina, um, and then I moved to the States when I was six and continued with piano through high school. Um, and it was my piano teacher, actually, who kind of noticed that I liked to sing. I think my parents told him as much. And so the last about 15 minutes of every lesson, when I was a preteen and teenager, we would spend singing musical theater tunes and boleros and, you know, whatever he would bring, I would sing along with him. And um, it was it was he that told me that I should actually take with a legitimate voice teacher. And so I started that at 15 and never looked back. Wow, it's amazing. Wow, it's that really is. A beautiful <laughs> journey. And one, the beauty of doing piano, Anthony, is that sometimes all the accompaniment you need... Well, you probably I was never any, a brilliant but. pianist, but yes, I mean, it's, it's the foundation. I mean, I have two kids, and my older daughter, who is now eight, is in piano, and she, you know, she has an ear for it. She's quite good, coming from a family of musicians, mm-hmm. but she wants to venture off into something else. She wants to maybe play the drums, and I'm like, you have to, you know, lay down the foundation yes. in the piano, and then we can talk about whatever else you want to play, or yes. sing, or whatever. Anything but the drums. Anything but that. Even drums. So, I mean, so, Daniela, it's just obviously you you have and continue to be a world-class mezzo-soprano. You just did, uh, I think, San Francisco Opera... Uh, there was a new opera with uh, about uh, Frida Kahlo and the Edo. That's right. Which, yeah. um, what's it like to go from that and now also to teach for the first time uh, in the class? Uh, well, one of them informs the other. They, they both mm-hmm. inform each other, right? I um, Primarily, I'm an opera singer, a classical singer. I don't have a lot of, um, or I don't spend a lot of time in one place. I'm very mm-hmm. itinerant. I go where the work is. And so I don't have the the good fortune honestly to maintain a vocal studio because as a student you know you want you want your students to have continuity in mm-hmm. lessons and to really have consistent uh, instruction and so um, but I do you know the occasional master class I do if somebody asks me to teach or to coach I will I will do it and I really love to do it it teaches me so much about the way that I um, intellectualize the technique that I use and how uh, how to verbalize that for other people mm-hmm. is really informative too, um, and it's just it's a way of giving back, feeding into mm-hmm. this career that I love so much. And the next generation, if I can provide any words of wisdom to somebody <laughs> coming up behind me, I'm I'm more than happy to do that. That's fantastic. Are you looking forward? Because I know upcoming in Charlottesville here, you're going to be doing that for uh, Charlottesville Opera. Are you excited about it? Yes, on Tuesday it's morning, Tuesday. actually. Yeah, I'm really excited. And actually, you are singing on that masterclass, which yeah. is kind of cool. Um, I think I'm only working with mezzos yes. on that day, which is actually really interesting for me because, you know, I've done, within the, the within my fach, within the repertoire that I sing, there's kind of a wealth of different things that I could you know, potentially offer some words of wisdom <laughs> on, so I'm excited to do that. No, but yeah. Emily, for you, what's it like being in the program and like and learning from some of these master classes? Yeah, well, I um, this will be the first one I'm getting to sing on, oh, um, and so I'm excited for that. And I think it's it's exciting for me because, like she said, um, you know, we share a lot of the same repertoire. Mm-hmm. So getting to learn from someone who has sung the things that I'm working on is really exciting. And also just watching the other master classes, um, so many different 
there's like different kinds of um, careers, you know, to have, and and just learning from people who are at different maybe different places in their career, or um, each masterclass focuses on different things. Um, there's so many. I mean, there's so many facets to what we do, whether it's like the character that we're of the story we're telling or the the vocal technique. So um, it's been really cool to see all the different advice that my colleagues have received in these classes. So, so let me ask you a question because I'm obviously one thing is singing, but another thing is singing in a language that isn't your language. How difficult is it to learn something new in you know whatever it be Italian or German or whatever the opera is in? Um, yeah, it's definitely it can be challenging. Um, I think it's really important to try to learn to speak the language somewhat. Um, I've spent a lot of time learning the the main opera languages, which are Italian, French, German, and English, um, and more and more Spanish. Um, But um, I think it's important, obviously all of us, we do translate what we're saying, and I think having an understanding of the text really helps actually with like the memorization Mm. and how you deliver the words. If you really understand what you're saying, it starts to make... um, you know, it's not just a string of syllables. It's like it starts to actually um, take on meaning just the same way when you're memorizing text in English, you know, if you do that. Right, like, right. Um, having an understanding of, like, where the sentence is going and, and kind of the meaning helps you internalize it more, for sure. No, that's a, that's a yeah. good point. I mean, I, w- I would think that because, I mean, an opera is not like you just sing one aria and you're done. You're also singing you're the whole... You know, you're in the right. character and you're, you have to act a part and... And I guess that's a good point. Like knowing what you're saying is important. Otherwise, you're saying things like, "Am I supposed to look sad, happy, or <laughs> just kill this guy?" I mean, is this good or bad? Yeah. Well, there's a difference too. I mean, between just communicating from the uh, from the stage to the audience mm-hmm. a general emotion, and really, actually, if as an audience member, if I get a genuine connection from the people I'm watching, it's because. They understand the intention. They understand mm-hmm. how to use the inflection in a certain language mm-hmm. to communicate, ultimately, emotion, so that as an audience member, you get that. Mm-hmm. And so it's crucial. I mean, I I was lucky enough in my youth and in my childhood to really um, spend a lot of time learning different languages. I, my parents uh, really invested in that for me. I didn't know at that point what I was going to do as a profession and that it was going to be so helpful. But I do try to tell whenever I talk to younger singers to focus on languages while you have the time and the mental capacity Mm, to do that when you're young because it can only help and it will only uh, facilitate that communication as an artist. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And what you're doing is just so amazing because opera is one of those mediums where it's not... it's. It's like film in the sense that you have to act, you become a character, mm-hmm. but you don't have the advantage or disadvantage, but you don't have the there is no camera zoomed in on you, Usually so not. capturing Usually. the slightest side. So you need to convey emotion to an audience yes. that is seated pretty far away from you and that might only see you, like they might only generally get an impression of right. what, and you have to do it through. Right, it's the voice and through the way you, you move and just the way you're into it. So if it's not really coming through, yeah. it would be very hard for the audience, I think, yeah. to, to really connect unless you're truly deeply in character because Absolutely. they're not zoomed in on your face yeah. or, and they're not seeing you in close-up. It's yeah. always at a distance. Well, I think audiences are very intuitive and very smart. And if you see somebody 
performing on stage, whether you're used to watching opera or not, whether you, if, even if you have never been and you sit there and you see somebody who's not fully invested, you pick up on that That's because true. it's an energy. Exactly. It's not Sense. only you know about That's making true. a beautiful sound. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think opera has this stigma sometimes. It can be uh, seen as elitist, and it's mm-hmm. it's not for me. There's a divide between audience members who maybe are not. Um, whose ears are not attuned or who haven't been before, they think, oh, I'm not going to try that. But really, when you have performers that are fully committed and that have been trained mm-hmm. and that are, are really communicating something, the magnitude of this art form really washes over you. And so it's everybody can identify with mm-hmm. that at that point. Yeah. One of the things that I suspect is also a little challenging, though, is that you know, as an opera singer, you have to have a great voice, right? It can't be just have a decent voice. You have a great voice. Are you right? saying you couldn't do so, it? No. <laughs> I definitely can't do it. We don't know. I don't know. Oh, trust me. You don't want to hear me. We know. Um, so, but to have that great voice, that doesn't necessarily mean that that person may be a great actor, right? So, you know, because like Train. I said, I've been to like thousands of operas with my mom um, when I was young. Yeah. And there were times where you, there were some, you know, some opera singers where I said, they're not really acting. They're just waiting for that big aria. Then they, yeah. oh, I mean, that voice just burst out. Yeah. It's wonderful, right? But yeah. it, it's a challenge. It must be really difficult to do both because, again, you know, some people can, maybe there's a great actor that couldn't sing to save his life, yeah. right? But there's some people maybe can sing, but being an maybe actor both. sometimes may be difficult. So it's got to be a challenge to work on both at the same time. There's an enormous amount of training, I mean, that we Mm -hmm. go through. It's a lifelong exercise and practice. Um, But, you know, I think there's also, I don't want to call it a trend, but there's a difference between opera, you know, 30, 40 years ago and what Mm -hmm. was standard and what was acceptable Mm -hmm. as, oh, well, this is kind of good enough. You can just stand here and open your mouth. Whereas Mm -hmm. now, at least, you know, young artists who are coming up, they are really encouraged, if not forced into training all aspects of themselves mm. as performers to cultivate their acting yeah. chops and to not just, it's not enough to just make a beautiful sound. And oftentimes, that's not the most interesting thing about a performance. That True. You, you do have to start with a baseline of a nice sound, right? But yeah. <laughs> there's more to it. I agree. I, I think you're right. I think, I think opera has changed for the better in that mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we see it here. I mean, you go, yeah. you go see Charlotte Flopper. I mean, there's this good... You know the yeah. performances are just yeah. energetic, and you really feel it. You get into the into the performances here, Danielle. I mean, I, I gotta ask this being today manana. So we got Cubano. We have and you are from La Argentina. What? How would you say? Because you've been on. I think Latina. It's like Latina Mad. Is it just called Latina Magazine, or it's like uh, Latina style? Latina style. There yeah. we go. Latina style. Um, how would you say that? You know, just the beautiful, rich Latino culture and of Ar- or of Argentina in particular has influenced you as a as a mezzo soprano. Well, I mean, it, it is such an integral part of my identity as a mm-hmm. human being, and I, you know, what you see on stage is a lot of me and who I am, and so of course, it's uh, everything that I do is informed by my culture. Um, I think what's wonderful now, uh, companies are being more and more intentional in their casting in their hiring practices um, people want to see themselves when they go to the theater they want to um, identify with what they're seeing and so companies are uh, broadening in it, their um, 
their their hiring practices, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, and so, you know, this season, you you touched on the fact that I did the Frida and Diego opera. The the two operas that I did prior to that were also Spanish language operas. And just to turn around in the rehearsal room and see how many Latinx members of the company there are, both on stage and, and off stage, was really remarkable. And um, something that that people are doing more and more, mm-hmm. thankfully. And so. You know, our, our culture as Latinos, but it, our, our worldly culture, regardless of where you're from, it's rich. And opera is a, a huge combination of so much of life yes. that I think mm-hmm. all of our experiences have to be shared and deserve to have a voice on stage. Um, can I ask you, you both, um, now in this, for example, in the master class, you'll be singing some some songs, I guess, um, adias, I don't know what you call them. Um, what are your favorite, like, songs to sing, you know, or of an opera or, or whatever or, or anything? Well, I'm going to be singing one of my favorites on the master class. Um, it's, it's from uh, La Cenerentola, which is um, the Italian for Cinderella. <laughs> so um, it's always fun to play Cinderella. Um, it's, the aria is called, uh, well, it's sort of known as Non Più Mesta. And it's the aria she sings at the end of the opera when all her dreams have come true. Okay. And it's just full of joy and, and lots of also um, like coloratura, we call it. So that's like the really fast notes and a lot of you know high notes, low notes. Um, it's really got it all. And um, it's just so much fun to sing because it's just full of joy. Full of life, yeah. 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 And this master class is open to the public. And yes. so please come and oh, really? hear some vocal fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, as she said earlier, we share a lot of repertoire, actually. We sing a lot of the same uh, things. And so that opera is by Rossini. That's also something that I love, love, love to sing. Um, I sing a lot of Handel, early music, um, and also contemporary music. Like for the, the Frida y Diego was a premiere. So it really just, whatever... It's kind of a silly answer, but I think a lot of us identify with whatever we're working on in the moment is our favorite thing because right, we invest right. so much of ourselves into it. I think that's very, and I don't think it's an unusual thing at all. I remember, <laughs> that, I mean, Tchaikovsky's one of my favorite poses. Uh-huh. I remember when you read, like, Tchaikovsky's, like, letters and each new thing he's working on, yes. this is the best, everything I wrote before is, is awful, it's terrible, this is fantastic. <laughs> and you realize he says it about everything. Exactly. Just, as an artist, I think even when you're in music, the thing you're working on becomes your favorite. And he was just so extreme that then everything else before was terrible. It was like, how, how do I write that? So just, I think it's, just, it's part of, of just really getting into it. And yeah. It's the beauty and the richness of of opera that there are so many beautiful songs yeah. and, and beautiful performances to play that it's it's hard even for an audience member to say like which is the best. Right. Oh, of so, course, absolutely. There are so many. <laughs> and if you're asking, because now you're both you're both here in Charlottesville to do the masterclass. Any how have you enjoyed just the experience, the time in Charlottesville and being with Charlottesville Opera? We've been here longer than yeah, well, uh, <laughs> yeah. So. This is my first time being an emerging artist with um, Charlottesville Opera, and it's it's really been great. Um, first of all, just like such a supportive environment, um, and uh, also just getting to work with you know we have, if, if any of you have seen you know productions, um, we have the principal artists that are doing the lead roles, and then the emerging artists fill in all the other roles, and also are covering the lead roles. Um, so we really get to learn a lot from watching the the folks in the principal roles. Um, you know, seeing how they work, and they're people that are further along in their careers. 
Um, so watching them has been um, really inspiring. Um, and then we're also getting training. Um, we've got coaches here, wonderful coaches, and um, so we, we get some training and um, we get to do concerts and master classes like, like the one on Tuesday. Um, so lots of performing opportunities, lots of experience just kind of um, getting our, our feet wet with their repertoire in a, a company and forming a relationship with this company and this town, which is really a wonderful place to be, I think. <laughs> Terrific. Well, I've only been here sadly a couple of days, so I haven't explored quite It's a anything, really but... first impression right there. <laughs> <It's a> first <laughs> impression. But no, I mean, it, it seems like a lovely, vibrant place to be, and there's a different energy being at a company with an emerging artist uh, program, just a different excitement about things, and there's a lot of buzz around Tosca, and so I, I'm excited to spend the next couple of weeks here. Yeah, sure. we're, we're excited to have you here. Absolutely. So this has been so much fun. Before I let you both go, your freedom is it's and it's, it's different than with the company. Like where can people get in touch? But w- anything you want to say about where people can see you next, or go listen to you next, or your websites, or anything you want to share for people to follow you, go for it. Sure. <laughs> Well, um, first I should I should mention the masterclass on Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, where you can hear me sing and you can see <laughs> Daniela teach. Um, so that's on Tuesday at 11 a.m. That's um, the 11th, and it's free and open to the public. So everyone should come. It probably oh. just will last. And, wh- and where is it being held? Oh, the Presbyterian Church, the First Presbyterian Church, okay. which oh, is first Presbyterian, downtown. Yep. Uh huh. Um, yeah, it'll be great. Um, that's the next thing that I'm um, doing performance-wise, and then we have the Tosca performances. Of course, there's no mezzo role in Tosca, <laughs> but um, I'll be in the chorus, um, and um, Daniela's husband is directing, and um, Alex Schrader, and that is uh, July 14th and 16th at the Paramount Theater. Um, and you can find me uh, at emily-hughes.com, or also on Instagram at emihughes16. There you go. Daniela, how about yourself? Um, me? So I have a little bit of a break. You can see me on Tuesday if you come here in town. Um, but my next engagements are in Boston in uh, October. I have a Beethoven 9 and then a L.A. Opera oh. a repeat of oh. Frida Diego. Um, and you can find me. I have a website, danielamac.com, uh, or I'm on Instagram, danielamacmezzo. Facebook, Twitter, all of that. Good Fantastic. stuff. All big on the Yeah, really. I, I should probably go up to Boston just for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's been an absolute pleasure to Absolutely. have you both here and, and talk with us. I just always love, you know, just learning more about just this beautiful, beautiful uh, thing that is opera. I don't, I don't even know what you could call it. It's, it's art, opera. it's music, that's, that's, it's, that's, it's, it's dancing, it's, it's everything. Yeah. It's just opera. It's yeah. its own beautiful yeah. thing and just always love just talking to people who are just in it with so much talent. So yeah. really, thank you. thank you both so much. Wish for you all the best, you. both of you. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Look forward to hearing you. Yep. <laughs> and so check out this Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, which is indeed the 11th, Tuesday the 11th. At, at 11. 11. <laughs> so super easy. To the master class at First Presbyterian, and then, as Emily mentioned, Tosca, July 14th and 16th. Be sure to get your tickets. You're right, your husband, he's coming out next week, actually. We're going to be talking to him. He's the uh, director. Director, I think, or? Director. 
director. Director for for Tosca is going to be coming on, so we'll be look, check that out on today, Monday, on the next week. But buy your tickets to the event. Don't wait. That'll be like no way, yeah. only don't a few wait, days. Don't wait till next week. Yeah, the thirteenth is one day in advance. So I would say just go buy your tickets now. You don't want to be miss out. You definitely <laughs> don't want to miss out on that. It's going to be a, an amazing performance. There, it's an exciting opera, and there's just. It's, they're a great performer. It's a great all opera. It really is. Yeah. Uh, that are coming, coming here. It's to missing show, the so. mezzo soprano, but <laughs> I, 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 I take it up with Puccini, but he's not. <laughs> yeah, he's not around. <laughs> uh, so always a pleasure. Thanks for for being with me. Thank you for having me show again. this morning. Thanks to our audience for just all your great comments and questions. It's it's fantastic. Um, we did have a comment from Jeannie that came in uh, after Michelle left that. She had was having a bad lender experience and was going to lose a family home, and she went with Michelle and thought of an idea, easy transition, and now she owns her dad's pride and, and uh, joy. Beautiful. So Michelle helped her save a family home. So that's exactly that's what we're wonderful. talking about, the great people that are here in Charlottesville. So great guests today. Next week, also some fantastic guests are going to be joining us. We're going to be joined by uh, Chrissy Muniz from Good Times Only, Virginia. She's coming back. Remember, she had I remember the, her. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember the her. silent disco. Uh, then uh, Brennan Gould, president and CEO of Char- Charlottesville Area Community Foundation, will be joining us, okay. as well as Charlottesville Opera. We'll be talking to the director of, uh, of Tosta is going to be joining us to talk about that. So just another fantastic show lined up for you next week. Just always appreciate all our audience members for your great comments, likes, and shares. Xavier, thanks for being here with me today. Thank you. Always fun. Thank you, Judah Wittower, behind the camera on his birthday. Happy We're birthday, Judah. Out, so happy birthday, Judah. Uh, big thank you, of course, to Emergent Financial Services for presenting us, as well as our amazing partners at Charlottesville Opera, Credit Series Insurance, Matias Dion Realty, Castle Hill Siler, and Forward Adelante, the premier Latino networking group here in Charlottesville, Virginia. Thank you all for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next week. But until that time, as we like to close that out on the show, hasta mañana. All right, fantastic. Great job. Great job. Thanks.